Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. We're starting a new series called Entangled. Yep, going to be talking about marriage. Come on back for week number one. Hello there, and welcome to the Believer's Church Podcast. A podcast about real people, real problems, and real answers. Podcasting from the beautiful East Tennessee mountains. Here's your host, Pastor Mike Friday. You know, most every couple that gets married discovers there's good news and there's bad news about getting married. The good news is after the wedding, there is the honeymoon. The bad news is after the honeymoon, there is the marriage. And if your marriage is anything like mine and many others, then you can not only remember the first fight you ever had with your spouse, but you can probably remember it happened so much quicker than you thought it ever would. You know, the vast majority of marriages have at least some conflict. Only 16% of couples who are married report little conflict. 22% of married couples say they have a lot of conflict, and 60% say they have a moderate amount of conflict. In other words, over 8 out of 10 marriages report some level of conflict. And that really shouldn't surprise anybody for one simple reason. No two people are exactly alike. Everybody's different in some way, and the greatest differences of all are really between a man and a woman. You know, ships a lot of times are characterized by being female. There was recently a group of computer scientists who were all male announced that computers should also be referred to as female. They gave the following reasons as to why. You ready? Here we go. Number one, no one but the creator understands their internal logic. Number two, the native language they use to communicate with other computers is incomprehensible to everyone else. And they said, even your smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for later retrievability. And then they said, as soon as you make a commitment to one, you find yourself spending your whole paycheck on the accessories for it. Well, that's kind of funny, but there was another group of computer scientists who were all female. And they gave reasons why computers should be referred to as male. Here's their reasons. You ready? They said they have a lot of data, but they're still clueless. (laughs) They also said that they're supposed to help you solve problems, but half the time they are the problem. They also said as soon as you commit to one, you realize that if you'd waited a little longer, you could have obtained a better model. Then they said, in order to get their attention, you have to turn them on. Yeah, there you go. The truth is men and women are different. And different, and difference, differences create this conflict. And conflict creates friction. And that conflict is friction. It's got to be monitored. It's got to be managed if a marriage is going to hold. So we're in this series, and we're calling it Entangled, because when people get married, they're, they're entangled. And the most important part of marriage is in the beginning stages, is that God is the one who brings, the, brings you together with your mate. He, can, he ties the knot. You see, God is the one who should bring the man and the woman together, and both of them should have God as the number one priority in each of their lives. Even, but even the most secure entanglement in the world cannot hold together with this tense rope, because when a rope gets tense and it rubs together with something else, it's going to fray. And when it frays, it's going to get worn and it's going to become untangled, and it will break. The number one cause of fraying in a rope is friction and this tension. So I'll tell you what I've learned about tension in my own marriage, okay? How's that? Many times it's not caused by what you do. It is just caused by what you are. Now, I don't want to stereotype stereotype at all, 
But you can see how your somewhat natural interest as a man or a woman, your life experiences, the things you gravitate toward may influence your relationship in a marriage. I can relate to the guy whose wife told him she wanted to bake a cake and he begged her to let him go to the grocery store and get the ingredients. He came came home with one carton of eggs, two bags of flour, three boxes of cake mix, four sacks of sugar, and five cans of cake frosting. His wife looked up at the ceiling and said, I never should have numbered the list. (laughs) You know, the truth of the matter is most all of us have conflict, some conflict in our marriage, just over different things. I mean, for many couples, it's sex. For many, it's money. For many couples, it's sports. For a lot of others, it's communication, either too much of it or not enough. So the issue is not whether or not your marriage is going to have conflict. The issue is how are you going to respond to it and how are you going to resolve it? Let me tell you something I've learned. In just decades of being a pastor, every couple wants their marriage to work out before the wedding, but a lot of couples don't want to work on the marriage after the wedding. Today, more and more couples choose not to work out their problems, but to walk out of the marriage. I see a lot of men today, they just want to treat their marriage like a car. They want to drive it until it breaks down and then trade it in for another model. So I'd say, you know, there's only two people here who can ultimately keep that rope from fraying and snapping. And that's the husband and the wife. And just as it takes two to have a marriage, it takes two to hold a marriage together. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. We have a disciple who we know was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law of a fever. His name was Peter. And um, he gives to both a wife and a husband some really good advice on how to deal with frayed relationship, especially in marriage. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, over the next few weeks, you'll notice immediately, ladies, that he talks first to the wife. Not only that, but he talks to the wife the most. So we're going to spend six verses looking at the wife and only one verse looking at the husband. But before your blood pressure goes up, Peter is actually paying the wife a compliment here. Now, I've learned firsthand, if you want something done and done right, give it to a woman. I mean, in every family I've ever known, the glue that holds that family together is not the dad, but it's the mom. It's not the husband, it's the wife. You know, there's another reason, as you will see shortly, why Peter deals with the wife first, and the simple piece of advice he gives to the wives is this. So I want to give you, ladies, if you listen to this, wives, the key takeaway here is this. You ready? Here we go. The way to his heart is through your heart. The way to his heart is through your heart. See, it's all a matter of focus. Ladies, you're going to learn that if you will focus on the inside of you in your marriage, God will take care of the outside of you in your marriage. So wives, let me give you a few things here. You ready? If you're taking notes, number one, give attention to how you respect your husband. Give attention to how you respect your husband. First Peter chapter three, verse one says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now, There are two things that we have to address, I think, really immediately out here. First of all is the situation here. Paul is referring to a wife who is a believer, but her husband is not. Now, a little-known fact about Christianity and the church is that for most parts, it's been a movement of women more than than men. Of the evangelical Christians in America, 53% are women. You know, back in the day, it was very common for a woman to come to faith in Christ before her husband did. Or in many cases, a woman would become a believer while she was still single and then end up marrying an unbeliever. So you have the situation here where the wife is by default the spiritual leader in the relationship. That's kind of true today, right? Think about it. I mean, if one parent brings a child or children to church today 
and one parent stays home, which parent is more likely to come with the children, the mother? And I mean, it happens occasionally, but it's very rare that you would find that the man or the husband brings the children. It's usually the other way around. So Paul is dealing with this extreme situation. Here it is, where the wife loves Jesus, trusts God, wants to be a part of the church, and the husband is spiritually clueless, if not downright hostile. So when you've got one partner in love with Jesus and another partner that couldn't care less, you're, you're going to have some serious major conflict, friction, fraying. So you may be thinking, well, hey, wait a minute here, Pastor Mike. We're both believers. How does this relate to us? And I think it would be simple. If a believing wife can live with an unbelieving husband and do so in a way that brings honor to God and hold her marriage together, then surely a wife in a relationship with an believing husband can take the same advice and do the same thing. You say, well, what advice are you talking about? Likewise, he says, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, some of you ladies, before you start gathering your belongings and turning off the podcast and closing your Bible, just give me a couple more minutes. The key word here is likewise in that passage, and it literally means this, in the same manner. Peter is obviously referring back to something he had just said. So if you go back to the last few verses in chapter 2, Peter is talking about how we can be forgiven of all of our sins and receive eternal life because Jesus he subjected himself to the will of his Father and came to this planet to die on the cross. So for those of you who are out there who think that being in submission to someone is demeaning or out of date or destructive, just remember that if God the Son had not submitted to God the Father, we would all be up the creek without a paddle. So Peter is simply saying to the wife, if you want to influence your husband for good and if you want to do your part in keeping this knot tied and staying entangled together, you do it by submitting to his leadership out of respect, following the example of Christ so that he might see Jesus in your heart. So listen to the verses again. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. You know why Peter's saying what he's saying here? He's saying actions speak louder than words. They not only speak louder, but they speak longer, and they speak later. Wives, let me tell you something. You're going to learn either the easy way or the hard way. You ready? First, you're not going to change your husband. In fact, that's not even your job. Your job is to let God change you and let God change him. And secondly, you're not going to nag your husband into anything, whether it's becoming a believer if he is not or becoming better if he is. Listen, Peter gives us a clue on how God can use us to change our husband. In verse 2, he says, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. The word see there literally means to look into something very keenly. It would be like watching an instant replay or a close call in a ballgame. In other words, a husband is not influenced by what his wife says, but what she shows. You know this, men are visual, women are more emotional. Women are moved by what they hear, and men are moved by what they see. Now, again, I'm not trying to stereotype and saying in general. So, I mean, if you go back to the honeymoon, think about it. Go back to your honeymoon. Let's face it. Did most of us have the same experience? I would think so, probably. What did you wives do? Well, you took your time in the bathroom. You got ready. You were preparing yourself and wanted to make sure you looked your best. What is your husband doing? He's standing outside the bathroom door, tapping his foot, saying, come on out. I want to see what I got. So, first of all, focus on how you respect your husband. You ready? Number two is... Give attention to how you relate to your husband. Now, Peter 
gives us one of the more interesting and somewhat misunderstood verses in the Bible. In verse 3, he says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. I know some people who take this verse and they use it to defend the fact that they don't wear makeup, and except for a wedding ring, they don't wear really any jewelry. They never get their hair styled, and they just look as plain as they possibly can uh, for some reason, and they just let them let themselves go. They use this little mantra. You've heard it before. Don't love me for what I look like. Love me for who I am. Now, that's obviously true, but on the other hand, there is nothing spiritual about walking around looking like you're unkept all day. You know, one wife was getting ready to go to church, and she dolled herself up and said to her husband, do you like my makeup? And he said, I not only like it, but I appreciate it. (laughs) Indeed, the people who interpret the verse like this, they're not really consistent. Let me tell you why. Because if, if you're not supposed to braid your hair or wear gold or jewelry, then if you read the rest of the verse, women shouldn't wear clothes either. Now, Peter's point is simply real beauty is not what is on the outside, but it's what is on the inside. And there's two kinds of beauty, we have to admit. There's the physical beauty, the body, and the spiritual beauty, the heart. And it, it, I don't care how much plastic surgery you have or how much you exercise or how much you, how well you take care of yourself. Ultimately, all of us, this physical beauty of the woman and the physical handsomeness of a man, it's going to fade away. Somebody put it this way. Beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes to the bone. Beauty simply fades away, but ugly holds its own. In verse 4, 1 Peter 3 says, But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So there is a beauty that never fades, and that's what he's talking about here. There's a beauty that never grows old. It's never tarnished with the gray hair, false teeth, or wrinkled face. And, you know, weather doesn't decay it, and time doesn't age it. And this is a beauty that gets lovelier and lovelier and more beautiful looks better, smells nicer, tastes sweeter with every passing day. It's the beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit that trusts God, walks with God, and radiates the very love of God and is confident in who she is. Ladies, the heat that is generated by a quiet and gentle spirit that shows a husband respect and love, tender affection, and a submissive spirit can melt the coldest heart. Number three, give attention to how you respond to your husband. For those doubting ladies out there, Peter reaches back into time and gives an example of the kind of woman he was talking about here. He shares an ancient beauty secret that goes back thousands and thousands of years, but it is guaranteed to keep every woman beautiful until the day that she dies. You ready? First Peter 3, 5, and 6. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. Now, you go back to Genesis and you look up this lady named Sarah. We're told that she was a knockout, really, even at the age of 90. In fact, she was so beautiful that a king, not knowing she was already married to Abraham, tried to take her for his own wife. What made her so beautiful on the outside was the beauty that she had on the inside. And what got everybody's attention was, again, the way she responded to her husband's leadership with a quiet, and gentle spirit with an attitude of submission. And Peter goes on to say, not fearing anything that is frightening, that is, 
not being afraid of how the husband might respond and not worrying about what the husband might do in return. Sarah was determined to focus on herself, knowing that if she would take care of what was on the inside of her marriage, God would take care of what was on the outside of her marriage. Now, I want to ask both husbands and wives to write this down and ask this question over the next couple of weeks or maybe once a week. And I promise you, it's one that will get your attention in a hurry. You ready? Here's the question. If I were my spouse, would I want to be married to me? If I were my spouse, would I want to be married to me? You know, every wedding I've ever done has always been a two-ring ceremony, but that has not always been the case. There are some men who just, out of personal choice, don't want to wear a wedding ring. Traditionally, a wife has always worn a wedding ring. Interesting, before the 5th century, the ring finger was actually on the index finger, and in the 5th century, doctors speculated that it was the third finger, known as the ring finger, that was believed to contain a vein of love that led directly to the heart. So when you look at that ring, ladies, just remember the way to a man's heart is not through his stomach. The way to a man's heart is through your heart. And when you take care of what's on the inside of you in your marriage, God will take care of what's on the outside. Thanks for joining us today's podcast. Don't forget to join in next week when Peter has a word for the men on how to treat and respect the wives. Thanks for listening to the Believer's Church Podcast. Visit us online at www.believerschurch.tv Facebook.com slash believerschurch.tv Follow Pastor Mike at twitter.com slash mikefriday and instagram.com slash mfreallife Check out the other podcasts all about life and the world. Until next time, keep it real and come on.